John chapter number four, verses number three through verse number 10. You know, if we knew all the things in life that could have happened that we narrowly avoided, it would, it, we would, we would, uh, we'd be amazed at the things that God spared us from. I mean, a little while ago, I looked over at Brother Tucker and I said, I don't think I downloaded my sermon. He said, oh, good. I said, no, you don't understand. You don't want my brain going without something to keep it reined in. And then I realized I left my timer and I, you all don't know how close you were to disaster. John chapter number four and verse number three say praise the Lord. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. If you could look on a map, you would see Judea in the southern part, the central and southern part of Israel. Galilee is in the northern part and in between is a place called Samaria. The natural way from Judea to Galilee is through Samaria. He left Judea, departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well and it was about the sixth hour there cometh a woman of samaria to draw water jesus saith unto her give me to drink for his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat then saith the woman of samaria unto him how is it that thou being a jew askest drink of me which am a woman of Samaria, for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water what a powerful passage of scripture I want to preach for a while this morning this is an invitation to everybody that's in this place and everyone that's watching online right now or that will be watching by some form of media in the future this is an invitation to you my title is come to the well Come to the well. Lord, I thank you for the privilege and the honor of preaching to your people this morning. Every guest and every member, God, you have ordained for us to be here. You have ordained for us to have this time together. And Lord, I know that the good steps, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. You have designed this moment for the very people that are listening right now. I pray, God, for the anointing of the Holy Ghost to move here, for you to do something that goes so far beyond our abilities that we'll know that when we leave here that you did it, God. You are the Savior. You are the healer. You are the deliverer. You are a very present help in trouble. 
And God, I ask you this morning to move in a mighty way. Confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated this morning. In many places in the land of Israel, it is a dry and a barren land. In this land, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they rarely had need of land because it was an open land. But they often found themselves in places where they were short of water. It was there in a narrow valley between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim that Jacob brought his family and his flocks. The valley was lush with grass for feeding, but it lacked an obvious supply of water. Jacob, therefore, directed his shepherds to dig a well at the foot of Mount Gerizim to provide for himself and for his flocks a well in the field. With pains taking care and back-breaking labor, these rugged ancient men dug through the sediment and the limestone. Over 110 feet underground, they found an underwater stream. From this well, Jacob supplied his flocks and his family. Even in times of drought, they found that this well always flowed with life-giving water. In times of drought, there was water. The well literally saved the lives of Jacob and his family and his flocks. They were watered and their collective thirst was quenched at what became known as Jacob's well. Jacob passed this piece of land on to his son, Joseph, and the descendants of Joseph as their ancestral homeland. This well survives to this day. If you were to go to this, the foot of Mount Gerizim in Israel, you would find that this very same well, now thousands of years later, its water still flows and refreshes after 4,000 years of hardship, the well still has water that gives life and gives hope. It was this very well that continued in the minds of Jacob's sons and descendants, even while they were captive in the land of Egypt, while they were slaves to Pharaoh. Though they were far away, there was still water in Jacob's well. Though they were in bondage in Egypt, that well in Israel still had life-giving water. It was at this location, Jacob's well, that when God miraculously brought Israel out of Egyptian bondage after 400 years and a wandering through the wilderness, when they came back into Canaan land, the Bible told Moses to tell the children of Israel, That when you get back to Canaan land, I have something that I need you to do. You need to go back to that valley that's between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. And when you get there, 
you need to build an altar in that valley. They were to write the law on the altar. Six tribes of Israel were to be on one mountainside on Mount Gerizim. And on the other side of the valley, on Mount Ebal, six other tribes were to gather. And while they stood there with Jacob's well in between them, they were to recite the blessings and the curses of Moses' law. After the passage of years in the wilderness, Joshua finally led Israel and the people through the, prom through the wilderness and into the promised land. The Jordan River rolled back. And the people made their way to this valley just like Moses commanded them to do. When the priests began to read the blessings that God had given them, when they read the blessings, all the tribes on Mount Gerizim, at the end of the blessing, they would shout, Amen. Everybody on this side, shout, Amen. Amen. And then they would read the curses. And the ones on Mount Ebal, everyone over here say, that is why you all got the curses. Everyone on Gerizim, when they heard the blessings, they shouted. And everyone on Ebal, when they heard the curses. We might just switch it up here in a minute. I will tell you that today that serving the Lord is neither all blessings and it's not all judgment. There are blessings and there are consequences. There are blessings when we obey the word of God and there are consequences to disobedience. Many would like for the pastor to simply preach the blessings and when he does, they say amen. And then there are others who they love it when the pastor preaches judgment and consequences. And when he preaches that way, they say amen. But the truth is that I have the job of doing both, encouraging the blessings and also preaching about the consequences of sin. And so when, regardless of the message, everybody ought to shout, Amen. Amen. And it was in this valley that God gave them correction. And it was in this valley that God gave them blessing. It was in this valley that Jacob's well ran with fresh life-giving water that still runs today. I will tell you that if you will obey the Word of God and what we should do, and we obey the Word of God in what we should not do, that there will always be a life-giving well in your life that will make sure that no matter what happens in the world, that God is going to take care of His people. Can somebody say? Amen. Amen. This deep well of Jacob flows with living water. Over time, people have come and gone, but the well still flows. Armies have risen and fallen, but the water is still in the well. Politicians and priests and kings have risen and fallen, but life-giving water still flows from Jacob's well. There's been economic blessing, there's been economic crisis, but there's always been water in the well. There's been times of drought and times of heat and times of famine, but there's always been water in the well. There's been times when there was great victory and there's been time when there was terrible defeat. 
but there was always water in the well. May I tell you this morning that if you'll find the well of Jacob in your life, no matter what's going on in the world, you're going to find out that God will always make sure that there's a well of living water springing up to everlasting life within us. Amen. And so it was as centuries went by that now it comes to the time of Christ when the Bible said that Jesus was going from Judea to the land of Galilee. It was at this time that the Bible said he must needs go through Samaria. It was in this place where we have come to know what we call the story of the woman at the well. Time has recorded her as the woman of ill repute or the woman with a bad reputation. This particular person had five husbands who at the time and at the time was living with another woman's husband. Six different men have come and gone in her life. She found, however, that when she went to Jacob's well, even when her life was a mess, there was still water in the well. She found that no matter how many men abused her, there was water in the well. No matter how many disappointments came her way, no matter how many frustrations came her way, no matter how many unfulfilled promises came her way, there was water in Jacob's well. Amen. On this day, she goes to the well. The Bible said, it tells us it was around the noon hour, the middle of the day. She goes to the well to draw water. And when she comes to the well, to her surprise, there is a man sitting on the well. To make matters worse, he was a Jewish man. And this woman was a Samaritan woman. On this day, however, it was not just another trip to the well. It was not just another time to draw water. But on this day, her life was about to be changed. Uh, I often try to look at the biblical stories and I try to think about what might have happened on a normal day that ends up abnormal. Have you ever had what you thought was a normal day and by the time the sun went down, something drastic had changed? Amen. Maybe it was good, maybe it was bad, but this lady rolled out of her bed that morning thinking it was just another day. Went, around, went about her business, probably fixing breakfast, tidying up the house until noontime came and she decided, I better go get some more water from the well. Just a normal day, just another, just another day. But this day is about to change everything for her. On that day, revival came to a place that desperately needed God to move. On that day, eternity was written in her life. It was the miracle that almost didn't happen. When Jesus, what Jesus did that day, you see, was highly unusual. Everybody with me this morning? Highly unusual. The shortest route from Judea to Galilee was to travel the Samaritan road between Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim. This particular road took you right on course, right by, right by Jacob's well. For us in our day, however, it is a, it's an easy, quick trip in our car, but for them walking on an ancient road, it was a much different proposition. The ancient Jewish people had a deep-seated problem with the Samaritans. 
And for this reason, the ancient Jewish traveler would almost never go through Samaria. Going through Samaria was like going on the wrong side of the tracks. Going through Samaria was going through a part that you knew you didn't want to be there and they didn't want you to be there. The Jews had a deep-seated conflict with the Samaritans. They had accepted, the Jews had accepted that that's just the way it's going to be. We're not going to get along with each other and it's not going to be a good situation. So when we've got to go from Judea to Galilee, Instead of going through Samaria, what we're going to do is we're actually going to go east and then we're going to travel north through an area known as Perea. And then once you get to Perea, then you turn north. And when you go far enough north that you passed Samaria, then you turn back west. It's just a detour around Samaria. This word Perea, it means the land beyond because you have to cross the Jordan River to get to it. And so they would go to the land beyond to avoid seeing the Samaritans. In the time of Christ, these Jews would go way out of their way. A detour in nowadays. Anybody ever drive a road and you see that orange sign that says detour? It's an inconvenience, isn't it? It's an inconvenience to us in our air-conditioned cars. But when you're an ancient Jew walking on a road and you have to go a long way around, it's quite an investment. But they hated the Samaritans enough that to them it was worth it to go all the way around. They, they, they had this problem with the Samaritans, you see, because the Samaritans, the original Samaritans had come from the king of Assyria in 700 B.C. Sargon, the king of Assyria, had taken 25,000 Jews out of the land of Samaria and taken them away. And then they imported 25,000 pagan idol worshipers from Assyria. And so they basically just moved the whole population out and brought in the Assyrians. The Assyrians brought their idols, brought their altars, brought their customs, brought their ways. And these people became known as Samaritans. The Jews viewed them as, as intruders. They viewed them as people that did not belong there. The descendants of these Samaritans also worked against Israel. They gave aid to Alexander the Great in his conquest later on. To add insult to injury, they built their own temple on Mount Gerizim, right by Jacob's well. And they competed with the temple at Jerusalem. They told the Jews there, you don't have to go to Jerusalem. We've got a temple for you right here. You don't have to go worship God there. You can worship God right here in our temple. And, they, and for this reason, the Jews, they hated the Samaritans. And so when they had to go to, Samar to Galilee, they went all the way around to get to, to, to Galilee from Judea, bypassing, the Samar bypassing Samaria and the Samaritans. I'm going to tell you that when you let hate get in your heart, it'll derail your direction. When you get hate in your heart, it will cause you to bypass a lot of things because by going around Perea and, and not going through Samaria, they didn't just avoid the Samaritans, but they also avoided Jacob's well. 
They didn't get the same water that Jacob had drank from. They didn't get to taste the same water that their ancestors had drank from. And I'm going to tell you that when we go out of our way to avoid where God's leading us, you don't get to enjoy the same water that our forefathers brought from an upper room and the well of living water. Amen. And not only did they bypass the water from the well, but they also bypassed the law of God. Those laws that are written on the altar that said, thou shalt and thou shalt not. And so when they cut themselves off from the well, they also cut themselves off from the promises and the blessings and the commandments of God. You've got to be careful what walk, what route you take in your life and where you're willing to walk. You better make sure that the way you walk takes you by the well on a regular basis. Work all you want to. Make all the money you want to. Get involved in all the activities you want to, but never at the expense of coming to the house of God, to the well of living water. You have to say amen, but it's still the truth. We don't build the church around our lives. We build our lives around the church. It's the well of living water for us. Amen. The Bible said then, in verse number 5 of John 4, Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. Everyone else wants to go around it, but i got to go through it. And then he comes to this city of Samaria called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there. That Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. And here comes this woman. This woman of ill repute. This woman with all kinds of sin. This woman with all kinds of habits and trouble and failure and disappointment. All of the reputation. I mean, 2,000 years later, we still don't know her name. We just call her the woman of ill repute. She's remembered to history only for the bad life that she lived. She comes to us now in this story to draw water from the well. And she sees Jesus. And she knows he's a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. The Jews hate the Samaritans. I'm getting ready to be treated badly here. I'm getting ready to be talked about. I'm going to be made fun of. I'm going to be talked about how dirty I am. They're going to tell me how horrible I am. They're going to tell me how bad I am. They're going to tell me how much sin I've got. They're going to beat me. He's going to beat me up verbally. He's going to let me know just how dirty that I am. And I've come to the well and I needed water. But instead, all I got was a bunch of insults. And so she stiffens her back. And she walks up to Jesus anyway because she's got to get water from the well. She walks up to the well. And when she gets there, she notices that he's about to say some words to her. She notices the first slight movement of his lips as he's beginning to form words. And I wonder if in that split second of time, she's bracing herself for the next insult. She's bracing herself for the next name calling. She's bracing herself to be called a worthless woman. You know what they call people? You know what they call people that's living with another another man's wife? 
You know the kind of insults that go that way when a woman has broke up a marriage and she's living with a man she's not married to. You know what people talk about and she's bracing herself for another round of insults. But when Jesus opens his mouth to talk to her, it's not another insult. It's not another insult to her. But instead, Jesus looks at her. Oh, God. And, she sa- and he says to her, woman, give me to drink. Give me to drink. I need a drink of water. Lady, this is John 4 and 7. Give me a drink of water. She did, he did not say, you are such a dirty, disgusting sinner. You are so gross and terrible. You have no morals. You have no integrity. You're a loose woman. You're worthless. You're dirty. You've never succeeded at anything. Every relationship you've ever had, you've messed it up. You're no, you know, no, no, he didn't say that. What he said was, give me to drink. You know what he really said? Lady, you are exactly what I need. Because you understand there's water in the well, and I need a drink of water, and you are the answer to what I need. Can I tell you what the drug addict is for this church? Can I tell you what the alcoholic is to this church? Can I tell you what the hurting, wounded person is to this church? They are the answer to our prayers, and they're exactly what we need. I know I preached it here recently, but I'm telling you everybody in this community that needs God, they need to be here, and we need them to be here. They are the solution to our prayers. I don't know how long Jesus sat on the well. I don't know how long he sat there in the sun. That, I, that, that sun beating down on him. That Middle Eastern sun beating down while he sits on the well. And I don't know how long he sat there needing a drink of water. But the water's 114 feet down. And he can't get the water out of the well. And the sun beats down on him. And there's no shade. And he's getting more and more thirsty. I understand Jesus was God. But he also was human. And that flesh was getting dehydrated. That body needed a drink of water maybe the first maybe his tongue his mouth was dry and that first vestige of a headache from dehydration began to sit in and he's sitting on the well and here comes a woman of Samaria I know she's not the cleanest person I've ever seen I know she's not got the best reputation of anybody that there's ever been I know that I might not ought to waste my time with her but that woman can get water out of the well and I need water from the well let me tell you what what happens if sinners quit coming to church? Can I tell you what happens if we're too clean and too holy for people that have messed up lives to come to church? This church will dry up sitting on the well because water comes when people that need God walk up to the well. People that are broken and hurting and messed up. This isn't a museum for the holy. This is a hospital for the hurting. These altars were made for tears. Give me to drink, lady. I know I'm the Christ. I know I'm the Messiah. I know I'm the creator. I know I'm the alpha. I know I'm the omega. I know I'm the beginning. I know I'm the end. I know I'm God manifest in the flesh. I know I walk on water. I know I turn water into wine. I know I make lame man walk. And I know I made the blind to see. I know I make the deaf to hear. And I raise the dead out of the grave. But one thing I need from you is I need a drink of water. Let me tell you, God is 
able to walk on water, but he wants you to help him get the water out of the well. Give me the drink. I was thinking this morning, knowing what I was going to preach, I was sitting in my office early this morning, and I was, and I was thinking about when, uh, when, when my daughters, before my daughters were born, and I, when, when Sarah was carrying Ellie, uh, and, and the same when she was carrying Kate, I would put my hand on her belly, and man, I, I, I would pray for everything I could think of. I would pray for everything I could think of. I prayed that God would help them to be pretty. I checked that one off the list. I prayed God help them be sweet, and I checked that off the list most all the time. I prayed they'd be talented and gifted, and they'd love God and love worship and love prayer, that they would love. I prayed all this stuff while they were still in the womb. God, help them to love holiness. God, help them to love preaching. Help them to love singing and worshiping God. Help them, God, to love your church and love your people. Help them to serve you. God, I, I prayed, I prayed, I did, I prayed they'd be good at volleyball, and Kate won a gold medal yesterday in one of her tournaments. I, I don't, yeah, she's in here. Yeah, she, and so that was a dad brag. I don't do it very often, but I did this one time. But I, I would pray for everything I could think of. I prayed for everything I could think of. That to, and, and Sarah would laugh at me, and she'd think I was silly, but I, I was making a down payment in Jesus' name. Amen. Every time we sing that song where it says uh, about your sons and your daughters, and, and I, when it gets to sons, I don't have sons. And so I pray for my son-in-laws. I've been praying for those little jokers since long before my girls were born. I figure I better start praying for them before the world has a chance to mess them up and get all kinds of stuff on them. Amen. I've been, Brother Austin, you better pray for your son-in-laws every single day because they might be out there somewhere and your prayer might keep their mom and dad from, call, from backsliding out of the church and getting those kids messed up with worldly thinking before they bring it to you. I'm preaching right now. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I remember, I remember sitting in that hospital in Memphis, Tennessee on, on, uh, uh, in, in December of, uh, of, of 2000. What, no, it wasn't. Two, yeah, it was 2005. And uh, I started to say 1995. That, that, that would have been a quick work because we didn't get married until February of 95. And so I held that little baby in that, in that hospital room in uh in memphis tennessee and i and i cried i sat there and you all know I, i'm not one to blubber a whole lot but i sat there and i cried i thought about her graduation i thought about her wedding day i cried about all that stuff in advance and 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 on that moment those little boys that i had been praying for i got mad at them just like that <laughs> i held that baby and i cried and I thought of all the things I wanted God to do in her life. I remember Brother Wilson walked into the room and I handed him to her. And he took her in her arms and he said, there's just one God and his name is Jesus. And I cried again. I held that baby girl. And on that first night, on that first night of her life, I held that baby and I began to pray again God, help her to love worship. God, help her to love preaching. 
Help her to love holiness. Help her to love the Word of God. Help her to love this truth and never walk away from it. God, help her to love the church and the people. God, don't let their hurts become heavier than they can. And I, and I held that baby and I prayed for her. And not one time while I held that baby did I, did I ever pray, God, help her to have five broken marriages. And God, help her to break up another woman's marriage. God, help, help. I never held that baby and said, God, I sure hope she ruins our family's reputation someday. So you got to put yourself in the mind of what this ancient family was feeling that day. When the woman that they, that they had raised from a baby had had such a hard and a difficult life, they, they never quit loving her. If they were a true parent, they never quit loving her. But the sting of disappointment from all the failures and all the mistakes had to sting their heart. And here she is coming to the well at noontime and she sees Jesus on the well. She comes to the well at Sychar. This word Sychar has an interesting meaning. The word Sychar, where the well is, it means to drink until you're happy. I like that name. Drink until happy or merry. Don't get a sip. Don't just get a little, a little bit. But if you're going to come to the well, drink until you're happy. Get all that you can when you come to the well. And here's this woman with very little happiness. Everybody okay? You with me this morning? Here's this woman with very little happiness. Here's this woman with very little joy in her life. I mean, good gravy, 2,000 years later, she's still called the woman of ill repute. Still 2,000 years later, all people want to talk about is how bad she messed up and how, how terrible that she's done with her life. But here is this woman, and she's come to Sychar. She's come to a place where you drink until you're happy. Maybe she thought when she left house that moment, maybe today I'll get something from the well that will finally satisfy what I've been missing all this time. Maybe today I'll get what I've been missing all this time. So she goes to the well, but instead of going to get a drink, there's a juice sitting there, and he's going to tell me how no good I am. He's going to tell me how bad the Samaritans are. He's going to tell me how rotten I am. But no, no, no. He says, give me to drink. And she says, what? How is it that you, being a Jew, would ask a drink of me, which I'm a woman of Samaria? The Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. What are you doing talking to me? Isn't that the way the devil works? That when Jesus is there to change our lives, all we can think about is why we don't deserve it. Amen. God, you don't know who you're talking about. I'm messed up. I made so... She's trying to talk Jesus out of it. 
How, why, why are you doing talking to me? I'm not good enough for you to talk to. You're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan. I'm so dirty and messed up. You don't want to talk to me. Just talk to somebody else. I'm a woman of Samaria. What is it that you're doing talking to me? The Jews have no God. Don't, don't, you, you can bless all those good people with their ties just right and their suit and everything, just their hair fixed just right. But don't mess with me because I'm a, I'm mess, I'm a sinner. I got so You don't need to mess with me, God. I came because that's what I do. I came because somebody invited me, but I don't deserve to. She tells, she's telling him, I'm a woman of Samaria. I don't, you don't know, talk to me. He said, woman, if you knew the gift of God, you ever know somebody thought they were God's gift to women? Jesus didn't think he was God's gift to women. He thought he was God's gift to everybody. And he wasn't wrong. He was the gift of God to women and men and children and teenagers. Anybody who needs their life turned around. Anybody who needs a savior. Anybody who needs deliverance. Jesus is the answer. He said, if you knew who was here right now, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living water. That, way, that phrase, living water. Man, I wish I'd have got started earlier. I would have given thee living water. Living water was, was a, a, a term specifically meant for water that flows. Not water, not water from a cistern, not, mud, not water from a mud puddle, water that flows. And when you talk about living water, in Jewish law, cleansing could only be done, ritual cleansing of sin could only be done with living water, water that had come from a flowing stream. Amen. Because purification only came with living water. And when Jesus said, I would have given thee living water, what he was saying is if you would have known who I was, you'd have come to me and I would have cleansed you from everything you've ever done. I'd have washed away the shame from all those failed relationships. I'd have washed away the shame from all the sin. I would have given you living water. I'd have washed you and washed away all of the mess ups in your life. I would have given you living water. And then she, she looks at him. And she realizes, you're going to give me water. Where's your rope? Where's your bucket? She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. Everybody say that with me. The well is deep. You've got nothing to draw with. You, you don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. 114 feet down there is the water. And you don't have anything that can help me. How are you going to give me water from way down there? It's another broken promise. Another unfulfilled promise. You've, you told me you'd give me cleansing water. You don't have a rope. You don't have a bucket. You don't have a way. The well is deep and you got nothing. When she used the word well, she used the Greek word farrar. The Greek word farrar in the literal means well, but in the figurative, it means an abyss or prison or a pit. She said, sir, the abyss, the prison, the pit I'm in is deep. And you've got nothing that can pull me out of my mess. I tried man number one, it didn't work out. It didn't save me. So I went to man number two, and man number two couldn't save me. So I went to man number three, 
and the prison was still there. So I went from there to man number four, and the, pri the prison is still deep. And so I went to man number five, and the prison is still deep. So then I went to man number six, and guess what? The prison is still deep. And here's man number seven right in front of me. He told me I'd have living water, but he's got nothing that can help me. But what you don't know, lady, is the water he's getting ready to give doesn't come from 114 feet down. You met the seventh man at the seventh hour on the well. You met the seventh man on the well and this seventh man has living water inside of him he doesn't need a bucket he doesn't need a rope he doesn't need to go all the way down he's got water flowing out of him right now the prison is deep my life's so messed up you can't help me there might be somebody here right now that when you look back over your life at all the mess ups and all the times you failed God and how many times you've disappointed somebody you can say God there's no way I'm too deep you can't help me they've written me off they've thrown in the towel on me but I'm going to tell you that Jesus still has water from the well the prison is deep the abyss is deep the sin is deep, but God is greater than whatever you've done. His blood is greater than your addiction. His mercy is greater than your trial. His grace is greater than your circumstance. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God, glory to God. I'm glad there's still water in the well. After all these years, there's still water in the well. After all these centuries, there's still water in the well. Oh God, somebody lift your hands to heaven. I'm reaching for somebody that thinks you're too far gone. That thinks you've messed up too much. There's too much mess in your life. She said the prison... The well is deep and you have nothing to draw with. From whence then hast thou this living water? Where are you going to get this water from? And Jesus answered her, verse 13, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. Let me ask you this. Did that last drug high really satisfy? If it did, why do you want another one? Did that last drunk really take your problems away? If it did, why you need to get drunk again? Did that last relationship give you the joy you thought you were going to get? If so, then what happened? He said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. If you find your joy from a pill, you're going to have to pop another pill. If you find your joy in a bottle, you're going to have to get another bottle. If you find your joy in a drug, you're going to have to get another drug. If you find your joy in Jesus, it's going to last forever because he never changes. He's water in the well. He's water in the well. He's water in the well. I said he's water in the well. Look at these gray-headed saints around here. They could tell you it's still good. I got the Holy Ghost 75 years ago, 70 years ago, 60 years ago. But it's still good, and it's still real, and it's still alive, and it still flows. And you can have it today. 
the well is deep. The well is deep. I know sin is deep. I know it's been bad. I know your circumstances have been bad. But Jesus is the answer for your prison. Woo. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, God, thank you for loving sinners. Thank you for loving Samaritans. Thank you for loving people with the past. Thank you for loving people with problems. If you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. If you keep going to the same old wells, you're going to stay thirsty. If you keep going to the same old drug dealer, you're going to get thirsty. If you keep going to the same bar, you're going to get thirsty. If you keep going to the dead, dried up church, you're going to be thirsty. But if you'll find your way to an apostolic altar and get filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to find water that still flows from all. It's an ancient well that goes all the way back to the heart of God. Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again. Verse 14, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. My, my, my. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to draw somebody to him. You know what I prayed in the prayer room this morning? I said, God, I know, I know you're going to touch people this morning. I know, God, you're going to touch people's hearts. God, give them the boldness to step out when they feel you calling their heart. Give them enough courage to step out in front of the crowd and come to the altar and give their life to you. I'm going to tell you, if I was thirsty and I knew this world couldn't satisfy, I would let not one thing keep me from the well. I'm saying this morning, come to the well. Come to the well. He said, I'll give you, I'll put in you a well of living water. She came to the well, but now the well is coming to her. I'll put it in you. Look at verse 14. But whosoever shall drink of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Hey, everybody say it. Hey. Well, come on, say it, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. In English, in English, when you read it, it sounds like he used the same word that she did. She said, the well is deep. That's English. In the Hebrew, in the Greek, I'm sorry, in, in their language, it was not the well is deep. She said, the farrar is deep. The prison, the abyss, the well is deep and you have nothing to draw with, when he answered her, he said, I'll put in you a well. In English, it's well, but in the Greek, it's not the same word. In the Greek, he didn't say, I'll put in you a Ferrar. I'm going to put a prison in you. No, no, no. He used the Greek word pege. The word pege means a fountain of blood and water and joy. He said, here's what I'm going to do for you. You bring me your Ferrar, and I'm going to give you a pege. You bring me your prison, and I'm going to give you a fountain. You bring me your abyss, and I'm going to give you a fountain. Let me tell you what Jesus is willing to do with somebody here. You bring him your problem, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. You bring him your repentance, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. You bring him your addiction, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. You bring him your frustration, he'll give you the Holy Ghost. 
He'll give you a well. I'm telling somebody, come to the well. You need joy? Come to the well. You need peace? Come to the well. You need deliverance? Come to the well. Your marriage needs help? Come to the well. Your children need deliverance? Come to the well. Your spouse needs deliverance? Come to the well. Oh, somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to praise him right now. And the woman, verse 15, saith unto him, Give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Sir, give me this water. And at that request, Jesus began to turn her life around. As your eyes are closed all over this place, in the pews right now are people that God is dealing with. This woman's life is an extreme situation. Most of you have not had that level of dysfunction. But that story is there to prove a point that anybody and everybody who needs God can find water in the well. Sir, give me this water. Sir, give me this water that I thirst not. All over this place this morning, there are people that desperately need a touch from God. Some of you have been in church for a long time, and some of you, perhaps it is your first visit to Bethlehem Church. Some of you have passed by the well many times. But you find that today, you're thirsty. come to tell somebody this is your moment this is your time I felt it all morning long this is somebody's moment this is somebody's day for a turnaround you rolled out of bed much like that lady did that day not knowing it was her day with destiny and you got up this morning just like any other Sunday but today is your appointment to meet the master at the well He's positioned himself this morning between you and the rest of your life. He's positioned himself between you and the rest of your days. Because he must needs go through Samaria. He could have taken a detour around you to somebody else. He could have gone around you to somebody on the other side that was more worthy. But he said, no, I'm going to send that preacher and I'm going to send him directly to you. And I'm telling some men and women here today, this morning, this is your time for God wants to open your destiny before you with the blessings of his goodness and mercy. There's still water in that well. Lift your hands all over this place.
have even an inkling that maybe God is talking to you. You ought to, you ought to muster all the courage you can and step out from where you are and find your way around the altar. My father. 
our hands to heaven all over this place. Lifting your hands to heaven is just a sign of surrender to the presence of the Lord. It's an obedience to the book of Psalms where it said, I will lift up my hands in the sanctuary and I will bless the Lord. So why don't we just do that? Lord, I worship you and I praise you and I magnify your name. God, I glory. It's very simple. It's just a sign of surrender to the Lord. Moments like this in life are so critical because you never know. You never know when your moment can be gone. So right now, while we have this moment, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. I don't know all that's going on around me. I don't understand what all these folks are doing. It's new to me. But I know what I feel right now, and I know that I need you, Lord. For someone today, it's the matter of saying, God, I'll obey your word. I'll be baptized in your name. I'll take your name, and I'll trust you. Lord, I ask you today, God, you have entrusted us as stewards over every soul that's in this building today. Every man, every woman, every young person and child. God, I pray a blessing over every family represented here, every individual here. I pray the blessing of your word. And I pray the blessing of your anointing on every soul. I ask you, Lord God, to enrich their lives with goodness and mercy and grace. And God, I pray for the drawing of your spirit. For indeed, there are people in this room right now, God, that they don't know why they feel like they do. It feels for some like an uneasiness. And God, I pray that you help us to know that that is your spirit drawing us. It's an invitation from you to us. It's our way of, of, of synthesizing, of, of feeling what you're doing and knowing that I've got to talk to my Creator. So God, all over this place, as our eyes are closed, we're asking you, God, to draw. For no man can come unless your Spirit draws. So God, I pray today as we go forward from this place, pray for the drawing of the Holy Ghost and the leading of your spirit to bring us back tonight for a great move of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As you're standing here, we're not dismissed quite yet, but this certifies, I know I, I, I practiced and I know I'm, is it, is it Maton? Matane. I knew I was going to get it wrong. That's my fault. Do you think somebody with the last name Boscus would be able to get some stuff? The other day I went to a place, I was, I was preaching, and they spelled my last name right and my first name wrong. My first name's John. Amen. God bless you. We're so glad you are here.
don't we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for his goodness and his mercy and his grace? Aren't you thankful that he gave you a well? How many brought him your prison? How many brought him your pit and you found that he gave you life-giving water from the well? Oh, I think he deserves my praise right now. God, I can't thank you enough for the great things you've done in my life.